LF podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not so hidden temptations. <laughs> we are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring people to the show who know what they're talking about and can help you with some of these aspects of your life. You only live once, so why not live a life worth living? On the show today, we have Dana Todd of Belladonna. In Belladonna, they believe the solution to modern-day clothing molds in custom-built and made-to-measure clothing. They are disrupting the fast fashion tactics and ethos. Skilled dressmakers are commonly found in countries all over the world where people are not forgotten the value of high-quality custom garments. There is a value placed on the clothing that fits an expectation of investing in a relationship with the tailor or dressmaker. They aim to apply that feeling and make it convenient for online shoppers who want support, style, choices, and fit. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this fun little conversation with Dana Todd of Bello Donna. So today we're sitting down with Dana Todd of Bello Donna. How are you today? I'm good. Excited for you to be here. Tell us what you do in one to two sentences. I have a marketplace called Balladana, which is custom-made clothing for women. That means everything that we have in our marketplace, it's an <laughs> online shopping place with multiple brands, everything is made precisely to your body measurements okay. on demand and delivered directly to you. Cool. So walk us through how that works then. I think a lot of people think custom is you show up to a store, they measure you, they tell you your clothes will be here in six weeks because they're flying them in from Italy, and then you come back and then you're a happy camper. What is the experience of an online marketplace doing that? So certainly there's an aspect of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we need your body measurements. Right. Like step one, you need to know <laughs> what you look like, <laughs> right? So, but for us, that's not something you're gonna have to do over and over again, because unlike going to a traditional tailor, mm-hmm. we're actually gonna give you ownership of that data. Cool. We have a profile for you that's set up. You enter your measurements, you mm-hmm. can either use a scanning app or you can enter them manually using a tape measure. Once you have that data in there, you have access to that. You can go in, you can adjust it. If you gain weight, lose weight, or you just want things to fit a little bit differently, you can control your data. It's securely hosted. That data is then utilized as your key to buying from all of our makers. Cool. And our makers are, and unlike just suits, like we do have suits, absolutely. We work right. with a traditional suit maker called Sumisura. They're out of Europe um, and another one out of London. Um, we do have that aspect, but for others are just really almost more casual styles or work styles, mm-hmm. dresses, things like that, that would be something you would normally buy, you know, off the rack, except that you can have these custom made to measure and all you have to do is give them their measurements and they're going to make it at their place and send it to you. So that's different and the time is usually faster. Mm-hmm. So all pandemic, you know, asterisks aside, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also Ukraine war, that's been a fun new impact yeah. for so- supply chains. But generally speaking, ours are going to be two to four weeks. So cool. you're not going to have to wait that long. Yeah. And that, like, for me, that's someone who's always kind of struggled finding stuff that's the right fit. So very young, I was very thin and tall. So just finding the right waist 
where I didn't have like high waters mm. or like I have like broader shoulders. So sometimes like my shoulder comes like over the top and then like my sleeve looks like a, a little like five-year-old. It's like, <laughs> like I just need to find something that fits. And I think a lot of people don't think to do custom for day-to-day just a dress, et cetera. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we even have custom pajamas, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's just literally anything that you could make for a regular clothes. You can make it custom. The challenge for us and for everyone out there mm-hmm. is finding someone who can do it remotely through mm-hmm. the internet and also who has talent, you know, being able to make for women's bodies, particularly right. women's bodies that might be heavier or have uh, different ratios that are non-hourglass. Mm-hmm. You know, most clothes out there are, are made and graded for an hourglass figure. Right. They don't even conceive of the notion that someone might actually have a bigger waist than their hips. Like patterns are just yeah. not even set up to grade that way. They're just like, what? Those <laughs> things happen? What? You know, so for us, we're like, hey, well, that's actually a giant chunk of the population. And we serve women of all body sizes. And by the way, you're, you had a challenge because of your body. But there are in the women that we've, we've done research and we've used other research to, to back this up. 75% of women of all ages and all body shapes say they're experiencing frustration with body, body uh, sizing in clothing, whether that's online or even just walking in the store and being, not being able to find anything to fit you because everything's weird yeah and it's really interesting I've been watching a lot of reruns and keeping up to date with uh, Project Runway yeah. and you just kind of see that progression they got a little bit better at it in the more recent seasons but back in the day even the smallest thing like oh this model is busty I've never been able to do that before it's like I get you're a trained professional but like why have you never experienced making that for someone that's not the, the perfect like just sample size. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. And in fact, you know, that's probably one of my biggest beefs is that I don't I don't think fashion schools serve the public mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form. They really don't. They don't serve the greater demand, they don't serve the fashion business. They serve the art side mm. of the fashion fashion business. Right. You know, they serve the the fun parties and glamour side and they feed into that machine, but they do at least yeah, at least thanks to the schools that I've come in contact with mm-hmm. that are teaching fashion programs and fashion merchandising are not really addressing with any depth and understanding of data-driven design or digital design beyond just a, a little touch of, oh yeah, here's a 3D design you can use. But again, everything's an avatar that's built in and it's all a perfect hourglass and yeah. everyone looks like, you know, <laughs> great. I mean, I have to tell you, I look at, okay, Kim Kardashian, right? Knockout bod. I bet she has to have everything customized because that is a non-standard body. Yeah. That's a very not she has she has customized her own body yeah. in such a way that she would not be able to normal get things normally <laughs> right? Which is so ridiculous because everyone thinks that is the ideal body to have, which is what fashion makes it towards or what is the former ideal body, right? Yeah. Is this like but, well, but actually they don't because she's got a really big booty mm-hmm. and a really tiny waist. Yeah. And if you've got a big booty, I will tell you, you will find most pants out there that accommodate your butt will not accommodate your waist. Yeah, I so agree that. that's still not happening. <laughs> so again, they see the kind of like, oh, look at those humans shaped differently than what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Am I going to stop doing what I'm doing? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing. 
So do you have experience then actually doing the sewing for those types of body types or are you just more kind of like the marketing aspect of your business? I wish I could sew, yeah. but I can't. I have to, I confess, I, I took sewing when I was in like fourth grade and mm -hmm. I failed miserably. I was so bad. <laughs> I was so bad at it. I can barely sew on a button now. But my background is marketing and technology. I used cool. to be a chief marketing officer um, and I've built all these digital products and I really enjoy making digital experiences for mm -hmm. people. My other skill is meeting people right. and being able to find people around the world um, to do what I want to do. Right. And so we've recruited, currently we have 12 makers in cool. 10 countries, including Puerto Rico, which I guess is sort of a 10.5 countries, let's call it that. <laughs> <laughs> we just recruited a custom bathing suit maker, so I'm excited cool. about that. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's the thing that I perceive as the most important part of business is not what you can bring to the market, it's like how you can bring others to a marketplace yeah. that you run. And I've been a part of a few tech startups in my day and it's, I'm to the point now in my day job, I'm like, I just want to stay in my lane and just like you guys figure everything else out. Stop coming to me for all these problems that aren't my problem. Yeah. Right? It was fun being on like the small team a while ago, but now it's just like, I have other things to build, like my podcast, the show I'm working on. Those things are more fun for me than being part of a tech startup where I'm just getting like a salary and like handling everyone else's problems. Yeah. I always tell her, I mean, it's not, for most of your life, it's not possible to do only what you love, mm -hmm. but the quicker you find out what you love, the better, right? Yeah. And then just double down on that. I really always tell people, um, my co-founder, she's really awesome, and which I've actually worked with her since she was a senior in college. I recruited mm -hmm. her as an intern, and then she came to work at me at, at another company, yeah. and then we started Balladama together. And she always thought that she had to be a generalist, right? No, I have to do everything. I have yeah. to be able to do all that. I'm just like, but every time I see you get so passionate about fonts, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, and like, and, and nitpick a design to death, I can see in you that you're a graphic designer and yeah. I don't know why you're not just doing that because you love it so much. And it took her years to finally admit it to me. Like, yes, I do love graphic design. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. You're going to be so much happier now. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of thing that I think a lot of people don't see with fashion is they just have this idea that they want to be like someone that they look up to. Yeah. They go to school. They, like even people I've dealt with who like, wanted to be interns, like, I want to be a buyer for the show. What do you what do you, what do you think is being bought for this show? Like all the garments are made. Yeah. <laughs> like, also buyers, I don't think I don't think they think that it's a glamorous life just running around shopping. That that's like your no, your life is spreadsheets. <laughs> and they don't even teach you Excel when you're in okay. school. So. <laughs> you're woefully unprepared. <laughs> I mean, I've never been to like a bigger trunk show or something like that but it's like you really just want to walk around 80,000 like things of fabric and just like choosing them for me it's like, that's overwhelming right it's a lot and we just look at all these yeah. real quick and make snap decisions in the next two hours which six will go in my line like oh okay like, <laughs> yeah it really is I, I've only been to one fabric show and yeah I, I was at first I was like just running around touching everything and then like very quickly I was just like okay burn out I don't want to see anything ever again you know thank you no this is too much <laughs> I don't know how people do it I mean you have to be real I guess that's your thing right there's your find your passion 
be that person who likes to touch every single sample at the, at the show. Yeah, I think I wish the, the schools would teach more of that, of like, helping you figure out which part of fashion you like, opposed to this is how you can go become like, essentially a boutique owner, like, or you go work for like Kohl's or something. It's like, what is it that you actually want to do? And if people are like, oh, I want to like, be like Christian Siriano. Well, do you know what he went through to get there? Like a lot a of things. Lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, no, by the way, he does custom clothing. And that's really what ended up getting him his commercial success because yep. he did custom clothes for some of the so supposedly B-list celebrities yep. who weren't getting all the freebies. But mm -hmm. he made them look so beautiful and he was working with non-traditional bodies and 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 you know, not necessarily women's wear for you know for everybody. Right. So like he made some risky choices and it paid off for him. So yeah, but you don't not everybody gets that chance. That's one that's one person. And I think you know this too well in marketing. Like there's a huge mix of like giving stuff away for free versus charging people yeah. for things. Yeah. And for me, like I deal with that all the time, especially in the show I'm putting together and like anything else I'm dealing with. It's like what makes the most sense? What do people get out of it? Even when like I do like smaller events, I'm like, hey, ten dollars to show up. Oh, I don't have $10. Okay, fine. Like, they don't show up. Like, I guarantee people you would meet there are worth your time. Yeah. Like, one of my, I used to have, like, fashion masterminds, as I call it, just getting people together. The first one I had, a top male model who started his own styling company for groomsmen, met a tailor there, and they partnered together. So everyone that came in to do suits and stuff for weddings were immediately referred to him nice. to do the additional styling like that kind of partnership or literally had someone who showed up to one of mine that referred her to fashion week she vended then she just showed her pieces for the first time ever nice. right and she never would have gone because it wasn't for me i'm not saying i'm amazing or whatever but just yeah, like but getting people in the right room together people. and i think that's really important and and i think um you and I met actually yeah. at, a, at a, a mixer that's trying to bring Chicago's very disenfranchised community together. Yeah. Our fashion community here is so spread out between the technical people, the design people, the retail people, it's all dispersed and no one really communicates on a regular basis when we should really be having like weekly beers, seriously, yeah. or, or some sort of alcohol or, you know, bring Get your or coffee, <laughs> coffee. But like, to, because we, there is so much that we can do together. And like you said, all, all it takes is like, oh, I know somebody, if you have, there's always, I think there's about a 2% of the, of the, the population in any population is a connector, yeah. right? You're a connector. I'm a connector. I love it. You love it. That's what we do. We create opportunities for people and we always seem to have the Rolodex, right? Um, but so that's only 2%. Those other 98% mm. of people need some way to have natural attractants. So the best way to do that, I think, is to find some collective way to get us out of our houses. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick to death of Zoom. I still go to things, but Zoom events are just not nearly as much fun, and particularly in, when it comes to fashion, right? Because there's such a, there, there is an art component to it. There is an entertainment component to it. And I think that is important. And mm -hmm. I honor that side of it. I would just want to also make sure that we are building bridges to the slightly less sexy side, which is the manufacturing and the technical mm -hmm. side. Yep. And going back to what I do, and I cannot sew, mm -hmm. but I can tell you where data does not connect. Right. And what I realized early on with my business is that I'm not going to be able to scale until I can fix all the disconnects on the back end. Mm -hmm. Everything going from body scan to output and logistics, right? That whole process 
has breakdown after breakdown after breakdown. Yep. Nothing communicates and no one's really doing anything about it on a, on a connected basis. So um, that being said, the IEEE, that's where all the electrical engineers hang out and they're a standards setting body and they're very good at setting standards. That's what they do. Yes. And so I've been volunteering with them now, gosh, for quite a few months and they've been working now for a couple of years mm. on trying to create some level of standards around body measurements. Cool. And so they're looking at the 3D world and a lot of this stuff starting to mash up, right? Mm. We've got metaverse and avatars and things like that being built and there's a fantasy that you can go from body scan to clothing, right. but we're in the middle of an experience right now. We experimented, we are doing, um, so I started another group that's working with the IEEE, right. OCAC, Open Circle Apparel Coalition. We're very focused on, in enabling on-demand manufacturing. Cool. Not the old way yep. where, you know, you just send off a tech pack to some, you know, <laughs> China yeah. with, you know, an order for 70,000 pieces. That's not what we're, y'all keep doing that. That's fine. But we're going to be focused over here on how do I make one piece after it's been ordered and adjust it in ways that, you know, right. that are, are, are appropriate for this customer, whether it's sizing or some other level of customization. The only way to do mass customization is to start connecting the dots on yep. the back end. So we scanned 12 unique bodies of all ages and weights and, um, and sort of proportions. Now we're in the stages where we've got all this data, and I can tell you, even on the body scanning apps, we're finding breakdowns literally at the very first set of data, where the body scanning apps sent us like a spreadsheet of here's all the, here's the arms, here's the legs, yeah. and here's all these measurements, and then oh yeah, here's the 3D avatar. Well, the 3D avatars on most of them didn't have the same height as what they showed us in the spreadsheet. And we're like, well, okay, start here. Here's a problem, right? So automatically we've got garbage in the system and then it just gets worse mm -hmm. as you take it over to the pattern making software. So anybody who works with, you know, Clo3D or some of these others will say, oh yeah, you can absolutely import, you know, data in for body sizing. Well, what they don't tell you is that data might be changed, mm -hmm. you know, overwritten by something based on the set of standards that we already have in the grading, yep. or there might be a human data entry error that might screw things up, or it might be just ignored entirely yeah. <laughs> and go on about its merry way, you know. So just in, yeah. So there's another breakdown right there, and it just keeps wording worse all the way down. And then you hand that to somebody on a manufacturing line. If they haven't, if if the if the software that makes the actual pattern doesn't know what decisions to make right right so back to that original example of having your waist bigger than your hips right if the software has no idea how to change the pattern to add a dart or remove a dart or make a serious change to it mm -hmm. it's not going to it's not going to know what to do with that pattern and right. so it's going to output it's going to have to have manual intervention so there's just a lot of knowledge that a human who's got experience can look at this and go oh well of course you have to do this yeah. this this but no one ever goes back to the software designers and tells them that, yeah. So there's no feedback loop and there's nobody sitting in those factories who is waiting to get the feedback from the retailers on the sizing. They could care less. Right. They could care less. They're like, done deal, man. I already get paid. <laughs> I don't care. Sorry. <laughs> How many more do you want? Okay. Like, that's not the conversation they're working on. Right. So, cause they don't get stuck with all the returns. Retailers do. So how does that work with your AI software? Are you guys just handling the front-end aspect of that, or just the measuring, and then you're doing the volunteer work to kind of help with those standards? 
So our software right now yeah. is focused very much on the user side of things, cool. getting the data in, making sure it's accurate, mm -hmm. and then turning it into a standard format that our makers can use. That, so we're not giving them different ways of measuring. Right. So back to your tailor example, I'll bet you if you ask 10 tailors to measure you, they would all come up with different different sets of data. I believe that. And they would have different ways of doing things too. Like some of the old old fashioned tailors have a tendency to just like slip a finger or two inside the, you know, in, into the measuring tape to give you a little extra breathing room. Others measure you with your like a belt buckle on, you know, or a full pants on as opposed to having you standing there in a, you know, in your tidy whities or whatever, right? <laughs> These are different approaches to it. So we've at least standardized across our marketplace. Mm -hmm. so we told everybody, we don't care what y'all do. Yeah. Do something else on your own time. We're going to give you this set of measurements. They're going to be skin, mm -hmm. skin measures, and you'll adjust your patterns accordingly. So we get to kind of play hardball because we're the ones bringing the money to the table for right. them. I do think that retailers have more power than they think. Mm -hmm. They just need to be able to um, get a little bit closer to the manufacturers themselves to be able to get that data in in real-time loop if possible. And then it kind of comes back to kind of the whole theme of a lot of our discussion is a lot of people are good at like the one thing they're good at and don't understand the other small aspects of what they can capitalize yeah. on. And I think to your point, a lot more people can be a lot more successful in repeat purchases if they're getting the right data the first time. Yeah. Some people are very happy with the fit for sure don't have returns, et cetera. Sure. And it's impossible. Even we're not 100%. Right. And we've only been in business for three years. But right now we've got um, a 74% first fit accuracy, which compares to retail, which is, depending on who you ask, somewhere mm -hmm. between 50 and 60% first oh, wow. fit accuracy. So yeah, on average, 40% of clothing is returned. Mm -hmm. And of those returns, 40% of them are because of fit. So it's significant when you add that up. That's 20% of all retail so it's like i don't know retails what or clothing garments in general is a six trillion dollar industry so yeah. do the math 20 percent of that is mm -hmm. a big chunk that if we could reduce that we would not only save retailers a lot of money but we would also reduce what the impact of landfill and secondary economies because of these returns right and you just think about that like only having like an 80 percent success rate is pretty bad in business, like yeah. we went through all this effort to send this out, and only eighty percent of it is like good. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. You need to pay for the shipping, the returns back, and all that stuff. Like, so that's even more negative yeah. on the business, etc. Yeah, well, it, with, I understand there's a lot of secondary markets and things like that, but even those are overwhelmed. And so, I mean. My bigger vision is, yeah, make Beth Balladin a huge success and set the standard for how things are done in terms of custom clothing, right? And making that de rigueur for American women, right? Mm -hmm. You don't even think about it. It's not hard for you. Of course you can buy it custom, right? Like, yeah. why would you, why wouldn't you? And so we want to make it that easy. They want, we want to make it de-risk that whole thing for women. Mm -hmm. But additionally, we really want to take our learnings out to the broader yeah. community of garment manufacturing and make an impact there. Because I mean, you know what? Put me out of business. 
please, right? I don't, but, <laughs> but I really want retail to get better. I really want them to be able to, to have an on-demand process that looks at my body and can facilitate it. And we're not the only ones who think this, by the way. I mean, I've had a lot of conversations over the last few years, and there are every major brand is actually has an initiative towards on-demand manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Whether it's custom or not, it's on demand. And because you're going to the process of making it on demand, to be honest, you might as well custom. It's not that biggest step, really. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how the world is evolving in a positive way, is people really understanding what was wrong with the pipeline, the, you know, the flow before, and to what could make it better. We can still produce the same products, work with the same manufacturers, et cetera, yeah. but what can we just do to streamline things to make everyone happier? And a lot of the world we live in now is like, I need something now. Like you order something, like yes. Amazon killed us, like two day delivery or like same day. Yeah. And now like I'll order something online, like like a, like a home good. I'm like, I just ran out of that. I kind of need that like tomorrow. Why are you <laughs> shipping it to me next Friday? <laughs> I know. And you know, and we are working hard towards getting everything within two weeks. Um, we're, we're still considered slow fashion. We did research actually, mm-hmm. though, when we talked, when we have a conversation with people about custom clothing, we realized, interestingly, we realized we're not selling a product, we're selling a service. Right. Mm-hmm. So that actually, people can take their mind out of the standard retail yeah. purchase and think differently about it. And when we ask consumers what would they expect to be an average, you know, how long would you comfortably wait? They're okay with between two and four weeks. Yeah. So we think we're pretty safe there. Mm-hmm. I'd like to tighten it up, absolutely, but not at the expense of getting it right. Right. Because the whole reason people are choosing slow fashion is because fast fashion isn't serving them. So they're willing to make that risk they're willing to take a little bit longer and trust us with this process that's new and yeah, a little bit less convenient than just doing click, click, right? They do have to do a little something, but I want to make it right for them. What's interesting is, in my mind, right, is the way you're trending is for better experiences, etc. And the other side that's kind of pushing back on you is social media influencers saying, go to this website buy this garment for $15 mm-hmm. because I wore it and it's so cute and look at me I'm in the Hamptons on tennis court Yeah. and five seconds later Oof. that top you know sells out and then you get it you say oh you saw so and so on Bravo to use or that you look great in that and then another girl walks in and has the exact same top on oh I bought it like I have an experience wear the same shirt as someone else very recently but last I checked most people don't want that <laughs> I don't think guys have that same hang usually. Your clothes are a little bit less noticeable. I could leave two instances my entire <laughs> life where someone did, where some guy like left at a year's eve party to go change his shirt. And then one he other did. time was That's like funny. some like well, it was just like a really weird coincidence. Like a new shirt came out at like Abercrombie in like sixth grade. Right? Like <laughs> Yeah, I shot up at the, my prom, my senior prom. Mm-hmm. And I had gone, like, this is in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yes, I confess, I'm from Oklahoma. <laughs> um, I drove, like, an hour away to a boutique to get a dress that I thought no one else would have. Yeah. And I show up, and the girl I hate has the exact same dress, only in a different color. Mine was hot pink. Hers was, like, a teal color because it was the 80s, right? So, <laughs> I was so upset. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been somebody I liked, but of course no. it has to be the person I hate. <laughs> 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 
Cool. So we talked about a lot of really fun things today. Yeah. What would you like to leave our listeners with before we sign off? I would love to leave them with um, think about standards mm-hmm. and don't be afraid of technology because technology is the only way we're going to solve all of our problems. Um, I would say invest in technology for yourself and people and start demanding it. I would say talk to me about custom-made clothing and I'd refer to people because I'd love to represent more people. Mm -hmm. So right now I've got, like I said, 12 designers. I'd love to have 20 or 30 who are really skilled and talented. So by all means, reach out to me. I'm pretty easy to find. I'm on Twitter ranting about feminist issues at Dana Todd. And you can... My email is dana.todd at balladana.com. You can find us at balladana.com. I'll spell it because no one can say it or spell it. B A L O D A N A dot com. I have so many things that I would really love for people to connect with me on because I think we should, she really should make Chicago a powerhouse and, and just jump into the innovation side of fashion. We may not be the art capital of the world here for fashion, not, not this year, yeah. but we have an opportunity because no one is jumping into the innovation side of manufacturing. Yeah. Nobody. I, I kind of have that same thought process of that to want to be a part of. I don't like the word innovation for my show that I'm doing, but I'm trying to do things differently on purpose to see how it goes. Cool. So I can work with people on that. So we are part of a great growing community here in Chicago. Yes. Thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by Bites Asian Kitchen and Tropical Bar. The best of times are always shared at the table. Superb Asian food and tropical cocktails. Paradise also awaits you at Bites. We at Bites believe that food is more than merely a part of survival. It is our passion. It has the power to transcend languages, cultures, and ethnic backgrounds. Through food, we share our culture with new friends and old. We share a piece of who we are, and by coming together for meals, we try good stories while creating new ones. At Bites, we want to celebrate cultures from around the world. We've been inspired by Thailand, China, Japan, and more. We're also excited by the opportunity to continue creating new recipes. Food is always better when shared amongst friends, and that is how we shape our menu. With creative cocktails and a menu that constantly evolving, a new story awaits you at Bites. And probably me. <laughs> For clarification, moved away from the Buddha, moved on over to the Rose Kaba. You know, gotta get this body back in tip-top shape to be a male model. Please stop by and join us at Bites. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Pod Directory, or SoundCloud. That way, you'll get our latest episodes sent right to your device when they come out every week. For reference, those are all linked up right in the show notes. While you're in there, feel free to leave us a review. If you do, all I can say is two words. Endless gratitude. Writing reviews helps us understand how we can improve the podcast as we all continue along this fun adventure in fashion, fitness, and food. (laughs) 